Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's show. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for joining me today. Now, I'm really excited about today's episode because we are chatting with Jess Rufus of Collabosaurus. Now, I wanted Jess to be one of the first people I interviewed for the show because we have been friends on Instagram for a while, but we'd never really hung out before. So I was like, great, this is my opportunity. I'm so excited to finally hang with her. And we have very similar taste in memes. Both of our partners think that they are funnier than us. And you know what? I don't think they're right. You know, I think that we have both got brilliant senses of humor. So, you know, don't tell me if I'm wrong, (laughs) please don't do that to me. But anyway, today we're talking all things collaborative marketing and I love Jess's business. She has built a marketing tool and it's an online platform where you can actually pitch to collaborate with other brands. Now, collaborative marketing is such a powerful and cost-effective way to build your audience and to build your reach. So Jess is the expert on this. I'm so glad and I'm so excited to have her sharing her insights and her wisdom on all things business, marketing and collaborative marketing. So let's dive straight in. Here's my conversation with Jess from Collabosaurus. So welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so good to finally meet you properly. I feel like we've been Insta buddies for like a long time. A lot of memes have been shared. (laughs) Many memes. (laughs) I feel like it's so funny because Instagram DMs, you know, it's such a glorious space because you feel like immediately I'm like, oh yeah, we're we're friends. Like we know each other. I actually had to have a think. I was like, surely we've met before this, (laughs) but no, I think it has all been on Instagram DM. Just crazy. I know it is crazy. And, but I feel like when you see someone's face on Instagram a lot, you kind of do feel like you know them. And so it's like, oh, great. Yeah. We're just finally having a video chat. So it's glorious. Today I haven't brought an Instagram filter with me, so I'm feeling super like exposed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I love that Instagram filter. The one that people don't know that you've got it on you know that sneaky one and like no one can see that it's actually what do you mean it's like the purple little glowy face one and people can't actually see if there's a filter on if you use that one oh I think that was one of the OG yes that used to be one of my faves I just assumed it would you know it says up the top what filter you're using oh I noted okay that one's the only one I feel like that's the only one that doesn't because I use the Zoom correct my appearance checkbox yes. like on the daily. That. It's like one of the best yeah. inventions ever. <laughs> so I really needed today because my I've got puff daddy eyes today. I am just <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> oh, seriously. I feel like we need that Zoom thing for just real life. Yes. Like imagine if we could just be like, hey guys. Zoom checklist, touch up. Yeah, touch up my appearance just in real life. That'd be great. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, that's that's all we need. It's great. So today I wanted to chat with you all things 
your story, Collabosaurus, collaborative marketing. You've got so many great tips and I'm so excited to hear some of those today. But I thought where we could start is just telling us a little bit about your business, a little bit how you got started and and what Collabosaurus is. Yeah, sure. So, Collabosaurus is essentially a matchmaking platform for brands. So, it's very much like a dating site for businesses to find really cool brand collaboration partners for clever marketing campaigns. And that can be across social media, products and events. If you've seen things like Shandon and Seafoli teaming up and doing a limited edition bottle of champagne, that's a really great example of a product collaboration, for example. And so Collabosaurus is all about making those kinds of partnerships come together and come to life. And how it all came about it was almost six years ago now, I was working in fashion and lifestyle PR and pulling together media launch events for fashion clients. And I just found it, it was a massive scramble. It took so much time and there was a really awful vibe around free stuff at the time. It was kind of like, where can we get free coconut water for this event? And it wasn't leveraged very well, but and opportunities were getting missed because really if the partnership was done really well, that's a huge opportunity for a beverage company to tap into you know, a fashion-focused audience totally. through many different channels and all that kind of stuff. So I was really frustrated by that and you know, so many of the brands we would reach out to, like as a publicist, you typically would just ask your other publicist friends if you had any clients um, that then you could get free stuff for, you know. So I kind of thought, oh, my gosh, there must be so many cool beverage brands that are like starting up or small businesses and they would kill for an opportunity like this and, you know, if it was leveraged properly. But they just weren't even aware that those opportunities were even out there because publicists would only contact their publicist friends and they couldn't, you know, really, there was no place that you could go to to source really great collaboration partners where, you know, each brand knew what each other was bringing to the table and what they wanted to achieve and how they could help each other and all that kind of stuff. And then from PR, I went into a small business marketing education job um, where I kind of, the tables turned and I was working with smaller businesses. And I realized that it was like, you know, we were educating these businesses on you should be looking at partnerships as a way to grow your business. And so many of them weren't doing it because they felt like they'd been taken advantage of in the past. That was a really common theme, unfortunately. Or they just didn't really know where to start or they were sending pitch emails out that were really terrible (laughs) and weren't getting any responses. (laughs) So that's kind of where the idea for Collabosaurus came from um, about six years ago. And you know, fast forward now we work with about 7,000 brands like Porsche and the Iconic and Pinterest and Microsoft Surface, which is really fun. And yeah, we just bring hundreds of brand collaborations to life all the time, every month. It's so cool, Jess, because what I love about what you do is that it's accessible for huge brands like the Iconic, Porsche, Microsoft Surface, and then also for smaller businesses. And I love that it's got that what you've created has this capability for, you know, small businesses who don't have huge budgets. Like it's funny because actually small businesses need collaborations probably more than bigger businesses, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a really cost-effective way to market. Yeah. So it's it's so cool that you've created this platform that serves both because I think that's such a big need, particularly in small business and, you know, my whole zone is small business marketing. So I love that that what you're doing really tailors for both these 
bigger budget clients and then these these smaller kind of ground level startup businesses. It's so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's different things like small businesses will be tapping into partnerships for different reasons as to why big businesses would. But I mean, there's benefit on both sides and 90% of the collaborations that happen through the platform don't involve cash exchange at all. So in terms of cost effectiveness, it is so affordable. Like any business can leverage brand collaborations and really turn their products, services, time, skill set, existing channels into currencies other than cash that they can really um, use to propel their business forward and uh, reach new audiences. So so cool. And it's such an organic way to grow your audience. I love it. I think it's so powerful. So for anyone listening, I'm so excited for you to share some tips on how to actually do this <laughs> because I think all <laughs> the tips, but I think that so many people, you know, I've had a bunch of questions already come through about this of people going, oh, I know I need to do it, but I have no idea where to start. So we'll get to that soon. But at what point did you realize actually, this is a viable business that could support you. And like, was there a crossover moment from your PR, like full-time gig to Collabosaurus? Like, how did that kind of, how did that kind of play out for you? Great question. When I started Collabosaurus, very naively, I was like, this, I'm going to be multi-millionaire overnight. Like, this is such (laughs) a brilliant idea. I'm the next Mark Zuckerberg. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting on a gold mine. And so I always, I like, I never considered Collabosaur as my side hustle. I considered it this big idea and like the thing I wanted to work on. And then everything else became my side hustle to support that business. So there was some crossover though. And, you know, my, I'm looking back at my financial projections. I thought we would hit numbers that we're only hitting now six years in within three months so it was very very (laughs) naive I was like oh it's a subscription so all we need is like three thousand you know paid subscribers and then you know we're making millions of dollars so you know and it was like I so underestimated how much education of the market that needed to happen with kind of what even are brand collaborations and I think at the time it was way less known than it is now you know how beneficial they are and what they even are and how big brands do it and one of the creative ideas. And I think so many more small businesses are doing them now. Thank goodness. Um, But it probably took about, I would say, two years before Collabosaurus could support me in a full-time capacity. And I was doing things like when I started Collabosaurus, I was working five jobs to get it off the ground and pay rent and, you know, stay alive. So it was kind of (laughs) one of those sort of things where over a two-year period I was slowly weaning off those other jobs and reducing shifts down so that I could focus more and more time on Calibosaurus. And, you know, really I think I probably could have made the leap about six months earlier, but I was really attached to that security net of, okay, there's that guaranteed income coming in from my waitressing job. And I just, I don't know, I just like, it took me a long, a lot of mental pumping up to (laughs) to kind of let that go. But once I did, you know, it, it, it was being backed into a financial corner. It's like, I can't recommend that enough for businesses getting started because every time we have been in a situation where it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't make sales or if we can't make money, 
I can't pay rent. Like there's things like that where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make this work. And that's where all of the creative ideas come from. That's when the best stuff happens in your business. And, you know, just even looking at COVID, it's the same thing. You know, we were backed into a financial corner and we were like, oh no, like we're going to have to make this work somehow. And then, you know, we did. And I'm so glad we came up with those creative solutions, but I've gone way off track and hopefully I've answered your question. (laughs) No, that's so, and I love, I love it. And I love that, like, I totally feel you on the, you probably could have made the leap six months earlier. Cause I feel like I did a similar thing where I was like, oh, like, how do I navigate this tension of, do I have enough work to, to quit my day job kind of thing? So I think that that's so cool that actually when you make the leap, you just make it work. And I think that's so what what needs to happen. And a lot of the time, unless you are backed into that corner, it's really, you kind of can coast a little because you're like, oh, well, at least I know I can pay rent. I don't have to live off, you know, rice crackers and hummus or something like that. That's what I personally, <laughs> I personally I'm tuna. I was tuna and rice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? And what I found funny as well in that time, because I started my business and maybe it was a similar age because I think I started when I was 23 and my background was I was a barista and I was like, great, I, I love photography, I love copywriting, I love design, I'm just going to give this a go. And then I started working, the coffee company I was working for, they needed help with their marketing. So they were like, do you want to give it a go? And it's a very shortened <laughs> version of the story, but I love that like you know, a lot of my friends, they were like, they had real jobs and, (laughs) you know, they could, they'd like, we'd go out for dinner and I'd be like, great. Like, this is my one social thing. And I'm going to like, just get a glass of wine because I don't make much money. So it's, it's a really funny (laughs) thing to kind of, I think it's a real common misconception actually. Um, I mean, particularly with a brand like Collabosaurus, it's like, it's a tech company, you know, and we work with big clients. And I think every time, even particularly my boyfriend, when, you know, his friends ask, um, what I do and stuff like that, they just make this assumption that, I'm making heaps of money and it's killing it. And it's like, no, like running a startup, you're the last person to be paid. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I pay everybody else before I pay myself <laughs> and I haven't had a pay rise in over a year. And it's like, you know, I'm on like probably minimum wage. <laughs> myself, but. It's, it's funny also thinking, I reckon I got paid like $10 an hour for that time period. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious when you're like, Oh, like it's a, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like there's such a thing, especially in online business, people think, oh, like it's an untapped, you know, you can make as much money as you want. And it's, it's like, yeah, but there's still. Don't um, even get me started on this stuff. I keep seeing (laughs) all of these ads and and things from online course creators in particular who are are like, I'm, you know, made a million dollars in a week, but it's like what is actually not being shared is that. $700,000 was spent on advertising. So it's like really that's not profit. You don't just like make that in a week. That's not actually what's going on and it can be super misleading. So I don't know. I would say I think slow and steady. I think um, DIY and finding creative 
organic approaches to marketing are a really fantastic way to support advertising. I wouldn't say completely disregard advertising. It can be so powerful, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, some of the best networking connections that I've made in business, some of the best, most successful marketing campaigns I've run haven't been through advertising and they've been through things like partnerships or events or, you know, all kinds of different things. So now you've met Jess and I'm sure you love her as much as I do, but did you know she has a partnerships masterclass where she teaches you everything you need to confidently build successful partnerships and collaborations. Now, all the cool kids are collaborating. Think about partnerships such as Airbnb and Barbie, Mecca's art collab with National Gallery Victoria, Gucci and the North Face. There's no doubt that collaborative marketing is a powerful way to reach more people with your business. So in this eight-week course that Jess has put together, you get personalized mentoring that covers everything from identifying partners and contacts through to marketing ideas, pitching, negotiating, campaign planning, and ROI tracking. So you make sure that you're confidently and powerfully executing collaborations to build your business. If you want to secure your spot in this eight-week partnerships masterclass, then head on over to the link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. Can you share your, like how, when you started, how you built your network on Instagram? I feel like you had this kind of guerrilla style <laughs> networking <laughs> approach to Instagram. How did you, how did you do that? So I don't know whether this approach would work the same today. I mean, elements of it would, but I think, you know, when I started using Instagram, no other B2B tech platform was using Instagram really effectively. And I would just, I loved it because I used it as a consumer. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I'll just tap into this. This is the new thing. Facebook engagement was dying and I could see that. And I was like, okay, let's jump on Instagram. And because I'd come from fashion PR, you know, it was all, I think all of my (laughs) early posts were like very fashion. (laughs) It's like Vogue and all this kind of stuff. But it wasn't necessarily about the posting. I think my strategy was about, it was just, you know, what you focus on expands. And I was spending about two hours a day um, on Instagram following, commenting, just engaging with people and starting conversations. And I also used a hashtag strategy where because I was running a startup and also working five jobs and couldn't could, didn't have the time nor the money to go to every business event that was going on. Um, there were things like the Collective magazine. They would run events all the time that was so stunning and very Instagram focused. And I would just find the hashtag from that event and I would comment on people's <laughs> stories <laughs> and posts and be like, it was so nice to meet you. you know? <laughs> very <laughs> cheeky. But then so many people were like, oh my gosh, I, like, I feel bad because I don't remember meeting this girl. <laughs> But like, obviously we met at this event and then it struck up a conversation and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I would network. you were at your other job at that time yeah, while the event I was, was on, right? I was bristering. Yeah, yeah. I was doing all <laughs> kinds of different things. Yeah. It was a little bit of a guerrilla style thing. And I don't know if that would fly now. And I wouldn't do that with everyone. It was just like people I really wanted to connect with. And I was like, oh, they were at that event and they run, I don't know, a coffee company that would be so great for Calabasaurus. And I would just, you know, slip. It was like, oh, it was great to see you at the event or whatever. I love that. (laughs) But I made so many friends that way. And Instagram, it just catapulted, you know, in those early days, I think we got our first 
sort of like 10, 15,000 followers really fast because of just where the platform was at at the time. And then since yep. then, it's been a lot slower growth. But I tell you what, it's so not about your follower numbers. It's it's all about your engagement. And honestly, the bigger your your follower numbers get, the harder it is to keep engaged because Instagram will go, right, you've hit over 10,000, you should start paying for advertising. And so they penalize you really for organic content. So it's, it's harder than totally. ever to stay engaged. But yeah, that was kind of my strategy. Engage with a bunch of people, open up conversations. I love it. And for someone who's starting now, like someone who's like literally starting from zero, what would be your approach, you know, to building an audience on Instagram? Do you have any thing like would you do that same thing now or would you do it slightly differently I would do things quite similarly I just wouldn't get disheartened by the slow incremental growth (laughs) you know it's just not going to happen as fast I would say and I think the biggest advice I've found over the years using Instagram is that every time they come out with a new feature you should jump on that new feature don't wait jump on it so things like you know the week they come out with reels figure it out even if it's like crappy content don't stress put some (laughs) stuff out there because Instagram will feature and highlight and um, prioritize their any content created with their new features while they're testing it and stuff like that which is a really great way to instantly see growth really fast and I saw that with IGTV I saw that with Instagram live and Instagram stories I particularly stories I was very early early to jump onto that when hardly anyone was using it. And then of course, when no one was using it, we were appearing at the top of every single one of our followers feeds, you know, for those first few days and first few hours of the day. Like I can't even imagine that now, (laughs) but when the feature came out, like that was so, so valuable. So jump on new features and, you know, the power is in the DMs, like just start building relationships and friendships on there. I think that's, I mean, that's how we met. (laughs) Totally. It's just so, it's such a powerful platform. Totally. And I think I've noticed with Reels, I've only done kind of a couple, but what I've noticed is the tail of the engagement is much longer. So, you know, you can, you find people are still engaging with it a week later, which is Mm -hmm. kind of crazy because usually everything's kind of in this you know, 24 hour cycle, if that. So I found that really interesting that the, the engagement lasts longer on, on reels. And I think totally adopting the new features straight up is even if it feels a little bit awkward, I I find like personally, Jess (laughs) reels when people do the dancing, I can't, I I can't do it. I don't care for it. The pointing and the dancing, the the pointing and the dancing that are oversimplified. I just, no, I really don't like that. But, um, I think, I don't know. There's something to be said. You've got to give them a go. Like I, my first reel, I hate. I'm about to go back and delete it. I was just testing it. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And now I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I think we can have a look at how to do this content a little bit more creatively. And we're filming some properly over the next few weeks, which will be good. Yeah. Like do things your way, do things differently. I think just, you don't have to do this pointing dancing thing. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people are, like message me and they're like, hey, like I really want to give reels a go, but you know, I don't want to dance. And I'm like, you and me both, sister, I don't want to dance yeah. either. So don't feel like you need to dance if you don't no. want to dance. And you don't have to like it's it's basically Instagram of copied TikTok, really. So yeah. 
you know, and you can look to TikTok as a bit of an inspiration if you're looking for video content as to how you can make that work. But also I like to think of reels as, you know, they're Instagram stories that last more than 24 hours. That's it. So if you're already doing Instagram stories, don't stress that you need to come up with this whole new format of content. Just like download your stories and pop it into a reel. You know, if you think it's like super valuable content, it doesn't have to be crazy time consuming. I love that. One thing I found handy with reels, the first time I, I tried to do one. <laughs> and again, I was tr- I was like, I need to do this. You dance and point? I danced and pointed. <laughs> um, I just did a whole, it was just my fingers just pointing at stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I filmed it on my phone and then uploaded the videos. And what I found worked better is filming within the app because you can add more of the features and filters and stuff like that. So that was one thing I was like, okay, next time I'm going to film within the app so yeah fun little just learn it give it a go go. yeah Yeah, give it a go (laughs) you've got nothing to lose and if you hate it you can always delete it you can 100 no one's sitting there remembering your reel going oh my gosh wasn't that so terrible no one cares (laughs) like no one cares (laughs) except for you and I with the pointing ones yeah 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 but you know if we had created those we would have deleted them by now if we didn't like them but it's like you know we would have given it true why don't we jump into like some more practical collaborative marketing advice because I feel like we've got to give the people what they want. So what I thought we'd do is I had a bunch of questions from my audience and I thought we'd just do, you know, rapid fire questions. Now, this is, these are just some of the questions that we got. Okay. So we're talking about collaborative marketing. First question, is it the same as influencer marketing? No, it's not the same. Um, Brand collaboration marketing is when two or more businesses team up and do something really cool together and cross promote to each other's audience. And most of the time that doesn't involve cash exchange. Whereas influencer marketing is more about working with an individual to create content and also place that content on a page. So it's a little bit more of a paid advertising strategy. Um, of course, there's gray area there with gifting to influencers and ambassadorships and stuff like that, but which is like a whole other podcast episode that we can get into. But yeah. no, it's not the same brand collaborations about two or more businesses teaming up and doing something cool. Love it. Okay, next question. Do you need a big following to run a successful collaboration? Absolutely not. That's a really common misconception and it's not all about Instagram. It's not all about social media at all. Um, I started collaborating before I had a website, before I had followers on Instagram, before I had a budget. It's all just about identifying what you can bring to the table in a collaboration and often that can start with things like your time, your skill set, your products, your services, your venue space, and then your channels come kind of secondary to that. So don't stress, you don't need a big following. Love it. And on that, is it only for product-based brands? Definitely not. There are so many cool things you can do as a service-based business. There's actually a blog post on Collabosaurus you can check out that's nine ideas for B2B service-based businesses because we've just recently launched a B2B part to the website, which is cool. Yes. But that gives you a bunch of ideas. You can do everything from podcasts to online downloadables to events. You can collaborate with a product-based business on a product or for client gifting, for stuff like that. You can do content collaborations on social media. You can do hashtag challenges. You can do competitions and giveaways. Honestly, it's definitely for service-based businesses as well as product-based. I love it. Okay. Next question. How do I find the right brand to collaborate with? 
Calabasaurus, my friend. <laughs> that is the best place to find. The best so, place. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I mean, the site match makes you up with opportunities that are a really great fit for your business and what you're looking to achieve from a marketing standpoint. So that's Calabasaurus. If you don't want to use the platform, I would have a look at your existing network and suppliers and who you already work with and see how you can add value to your customer base through a collaboration. That's a really great place to start. Great. Okay. Next question. Do I need to have a big budget? No. So um, you don't need to have any budget at all. So because brand collaborations are all about leveraging currencies other than cash, all it's about is identifying what you can bring to the table and, you know, your currencies other than cash really and what assets you have available, which can be everything I just mentioned, like your skill set, your products, your services, your marketing channels, publicity opportunities, all of that kind of stuff you can leverage. So you don't need a cent to get started. Yes. Okay. How do I know if a business is the right fit? And what do you do if you realize after you've begun that it's not the right fit? This is probably not a rapid question. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's two questions. Let's talk in about one. breakups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the matchmaker. Do you handle the breakups? That's the, that's the question essentially. Um, okay. So I would start by answering that question with uh, how do you know if it's a right fit? Look at things like making sure that your goals align so that you can both actually help each other achieve what you want to achieve. I think collaborations in the past have been considered this sort of fluffy thing that you might do maybe once a year with a big brand. And that's not the case at all. It's a marketing strategy that should be integrated into your plans throughout the year. Sort of, I recommend about five or six times a year. So once every two months is a really great one to aim for. And so with that in mind, you need to treat it just like any other marketing strategy. You know, you need to have a look at what's the actual objective of that campaign? Like, what do you actually want to achieve? Do you want to grow your email list? Do you want to, get, want to grow your Instagram page? Do you want to get bums on seats at an event? Do you, you know, all that kind of stuff. You need to know what your goals are. The second one is target market. So make sure that your audiences actually line up in terms of demographic, because if you're going to be doing something really awesome and cross-promoting into each other's audiences, you want to make sure that you're actually hitting potential customers <laughs> and vice versa. You want to make sure that your communities are aligned from a target market perspective and make sure that it's, you know, not collaboration for collaboration's sake, that there's purpose behind it, there's meaning behind it, behind it, and it's win-win for both of you. It has to be win-win um, for it to be successful which leads me to the breakup conversation, um, which sometimes, you know, even if all those things align, sometimes, you know, maybe just the vibe isn't a fit. Like sometimes not everyone's the, you know, a sunshiny, awesome human. Unfortunately, very occasionally you might just need to nip that in the bud and be like, you know what? I just don't think this is going to work. Trust your gut, look out for red flags and treat it as any other marketing strategy. You wouldn't keep a Facebook ad running if it was not serving you. You would just turn it off. So it's like, don't be afraid to break up with your collaborator. We actually have um, templates on Collabasaurus that you can copy and paste, which are like let them down easy and is, you know, is super professional and all that kind of stuff. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to cut it off if it's not working. I would just say communicate be transparent and honest and you know where you're coming from and they'll understand. It's a business decision. I love that. I think that's so, so helpful as well because I've, I've had a few people go, I've started one and I don't think it's working. And so I think also, yeah. you know, having the metrics to be able to go, what is success in this? And, and how do we know if it is working? How do we know if it's not working? Because 
Mm-hmm. You don't want to get to the end of it and go, I think we maybe it was good. <laughs> I think yeah, I maybe that's wasted why having money. a goal in mind. Yeah, having a goal in mind is so important because if you're just like, oh, I'll do a collab and you get caught up in the excitement of maybe a big brand wants to collaborate with you, but you don't actually have the objective in mind, that collab can wrap up and you can be like, I don't really know what I got out of that. No, I'm confused. And it's like, what did you start out wanting to do? (laughs) You've got to track against that. Yeah, absolutely. And final rapid fire question. (laughs) Sorry, that last one definitely wasn't rapid. Um, (laughs) Is it good? My answer is really long. No, no, no. Because I asked you like a very, (laughs) a number of questions in one. Is it good to do collabs within the same industry? I love this question. I think it's really interesting. And I see this happen a lot when it comes to the fashion industry. If you look at H&M and uh, their collaborations with high street designers, basically the win-win there is making sure that there's still enough of a point of difference to add value to the customer base. So it's making uh, really high fashion accessible and affordable for, um, you know, consumers at H&M, for example. And it's really improving H&M's brand alignment and positioning by aligning with a high street fashion brand. So I think you can definitely make it work in the same industry. I would just make sure that you're not competing businesses. You know, you don't want to be both skincare brands competing for the exact same customer with the same message and not enough of a point of difference that you can really capitalize on and leverage in a collaboration. Um, But collaborations in the same industry can work and can be really powerful because often the target markets are super aligned, the goals are super aligned, and you have the opportunity to really be able to help each other and make that really win-win. Yeah, just make sure it's not hardcore competing. Yeah, that's great. That's such a good point because it does feel like, you know, when people are in a kind of same space or same lane as you, you you want to be able to be buddies and and like not look at other people as competition, but you know, can collaborations work in that way? I think that's a really good question. I'm all about collaboration over competition. Like I love it. I mean, we're both in B2B service-based business, like essentially we're in the same industry, but yeah. we're collaborating. Look yeah, at, totally. There's enough point of differences, you know what I mean? Like it can definitely, definitely work. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, and we were talking about this earlier, like if you have a really clear niche, which is, you know, you've done that really well with Collabosaurus, if you've got a really clear niche, it makes it much easier to know your your spot. And if you know your spot, it makes the whole comparison, competition thing so much easier to go, oh, they're not my competition because – I know what my zone is and it's not that. So I think having clarity on your niche is so helpful, particularly when it comes to collaborations as well. Absolutely. Okay. So I've had clients who have gifted product for an event and then at the end of it, they were like, I don't even know if that really helped me or if I just gave people free stuff. How do you make sure that a collaboration is mutually beneficial and how do you actually measure the success of a collaboration? So I love this question and I also love that, you know, your audience are so on the ball when it comes to collaborations already. That is so reflective in the questions that have come through. I can't believe, you know, 75% of your poll respondents said that they want to learn about brand collabs, which is so fantastic to hear. Um, but this question is super powerful and it's definitely a really common theme I hear a lot when it comes to partnerships where it's like, I've done this thing. I don't really know if it was successful or how do I make sure that 
it actually does deliver on things and all that kind of stuff. And I have two tips for you. And the first one is making sure that your marketing goal is crystal clear at the beginning, which I know we've already talked about. You want to make sure what you actually want to achieve is really clear to yourself and also to your collaborator. So if you're like, you know what, I really want to grow my email list, then that will completely dictate how your collaboration pans out. Because would you put products in a goodie bag if you just want to grow your email list? No, (laughs) that's not going to help you grow the email list. So how can you actually leverage that to help you achieve your goal? Whereas, you know, if your goal is to get your product trialed by potential customers and in the hands of potential customers or maybe spark user-generated content on social media, then that kind of strategy and collaboration will absolutely help you achieve that goal. Tip number two is leverage opportunities. So I hate hearing the goodie bag thing at events when you know, businesses have put in even like a full size product to a hundred people who are going to this event. And that's the end of the collaboration. Like that's the be all end all. That's all that's involved. It's like supplying product to the end. When there's actually heaps of leverage opportunities you can tap into to make that collaboration amplified, you know, you can look at things like event signage. So could you put mirror decals in the bathrooms at the event? Or could you do a follow-up email promotion with the brand you're collaborating with or, you know, agree on a certain amount of dedicated social media posts or you could run a competition to win tickets to that event to help grow your email list or is there a mention on stage that's happening at the event to really, you know, help solidify that um, brand partnership or is there content that you can tap into? So often with events, you know, there's a videographer there, there's a photographer there. You can ask your collaborator, can I just get five branded shots of the product? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then that's saving you money too. So yeah, my two tips around this is to know what you want to achieve to make sure that your collaboration can actually help you achieve that. And number two is leverage. So there's so many opportunities to amplify situations like the goodie bag product seeding thing to make that really impactful. And don't be afraid to negotiate and, and leverage on those opportunities. And, you know, if you're kind of feeling stuck with negotiation, I would be like, okay, what's the dollar value of what I'm bringing to the table? So let's say you're a keep cup company and you're willing to gift a hundred keep cups and the retail price of that is $30. So you're, you know, giving X amount of dollar value to the event. Are you getting that dollar value back in kind, you know, and being in the goodie bags isn't enough to equal that dollar value. Does that make sense? Totally. That is, I'm so glad you clarified that because I just think, you know, that happens so often and it's like, oh, cool. They, they sent me some photos, but like, what does that really mean? So I think having a, like, and if you are a business that gets approached to collaborate often, I think maybe it is having a bit of a checklist of, okay, cool. This is how we do it. So before, before you start negotiating, actually having your own little checklist to say, okay, we, we only collaborate with like-minded brands. This is how we actually make them work. And here's how we expect to kind of have it all play out. So I think having clarity on that beforehand also helps if, you know, you have someone message you on Instagram and they're like super excited and and they're a big brand. Um, You've got to still make sure it works for you though. I think that's um, definitely something to look at. Oh, you're so full of wisdom. You're like Gandalf. (laughs) (laughs) You're like Gandalf for 
for marketing. I love it. So, okay, only a couple more questions, but yeah. I love what I love about your approach is that you're all about DIY marketing, which is totally my jam as well. What are your top marketing tips for a person who's starting a business from scratch? Like, what are the things that you also recommend doing on the cheap and kind of doing DIY? And what are the things you think, oh, no, you've got to spend money on that? I mean, I think at the beginning, you shouldn't be spending much money on anything because there's a lot of learnings to be had. And one of the biggest mistakes I made at the very beginning of Collabosaurus is I'm a perfectionist. And we were talking about this before the podcast. You know, I want I want to do everything big and like right and let's, <laughs> yes. you know, invest heavily and like let's do it, you know, amazing, an amazing job. But with something like Collabosaurus, you know, it's a custom built software. So I ended up forking out with a design agency, you know, $20,000, $30,000 to get it designed. And then, which of course the design changed like immediately, like a couple of months into it because I learned so much about our audience and who was actually using Collabosaurus and interested in Collabosaurus and how we were communicating that. So yeah, it ended up being um, a really costly exercise for me to heavily invest in the first iteration of our product or service. So my biggest piece of advice would be to learn first with a minimum viable product. And that for Collabosaurus could have looked like something like I could have gotten 50 businesses together in similar industries and just done it via like a Google form, which is completely free, tested, got feedback and then built, you know, a site off the back of that. I would have saved a lot of money in the process. So yeah. And I mean, I listened to a really great podcast with the founder of Poopery. Do you know that brand? The, no. the spray before you go toilet spray thing. It's oh. so clever. It's genius. But she was talking about how, you know, the first iteration of her product was just like from her kitchen. She was mixing these essential oils and putting them in little containers and stuff like that, that she could buy at the $2 shop. And that's totally the way to go. She goes, we didn't invest in packaging until like two years into the business when we had revenue and we had clients. And so I would so echo that and just say, do things um, DIY and MVP as much as possible at the beginning because you will learn so much about the business, your customers, how you can add value so that when you do start putting money into it, you know where it's going to return. I know now, you know, six years into the business, if I put X amount into ads or X amount into staffing or whatever, I know how that's going to return because I've seen patterns again and again and again in the business. Whereas at the beginning, I spent thousands of dollars with a PR agency because I'd come from PR and I was like, I want to be in the media. And this is like big and let's go, you know, like let's launch this thing massive. But did we get clients off the back of PR? Like, no, definitely not immediately. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's so cool. So I think that's a really good thought. Like you need to just DIY MVP. I love that. Yeah. So simple. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jess. You are a wizard. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. If you're looking for any of the links we mentioned today and any of the links to any of Jess's resources, then make sure you head on over to our show notes. You'll find all that you need right there. Now, if you want to continue the conversation, head on over to our Facebook group. It's kind of like the after party of the podcast. So just search My Business Playbook and you will find us right there and we'll be there waiting to greet you and to say hello. 
Music from today's episode is by Jake Scott. You can listen to him on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you so much for listening to My Business Playbook. I'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Go get them. Jess, okay, I have one final question for you. Yeah. And it's probably the most important question. Um, Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? <gasps> oh, Ryan Reynolds. I knew you'd say that. I love Ryan Reynolds Because he's a funny guy. I love a funny guy. Oh, he's so funny. I love um, – I also love Blake Lively. Like she's definitely my – Girl crush. So I feel like they are a power couple, those two. Oh, I'm obsessed. Aren't they? Okay, good. I'm really glad you answered that. Cause you know, I agree. I would choose Ryan Reynolds too. I mean, when I need a good <laughs> cry, I'll watch the notebook. But and you know, he's he's pretty cute in the notebook, but he's a bit too brooding for me. I love um yeah, Ryan Reynolds is that, <laughs> I think. Deadpool and like comedy. <laughs> Deadpool. I also love the proposal. What a film. Oh, what a film. Exactly. So oh, now I want to go watch that movie. That's I feel like, movie. yeah, I'm, I'm going to, we'll share the link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, Jess, where can people who want to follow you, find you, where can they do that? On the internet, I'm everywhere. Yes. You can if you if you search Collabosaurus, even if you grossly misspell it, I'll probably show up. We've got great SEO because it's the weirdest word in the world, Collabosaurus. Um, Jess Rufus, I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram. There's just a pesky H in my name, so it's R U H F U S. But come find me; I'd love to see you. And Collabosaurus.com. I'll see you when you launch your course. We'll have to uh, do this again. Thanks. I think there'll have to be something Gandalf themed in there now. <laughs> Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jess.